Welcome to The Edge by MGR with your host, David Gill. Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Edge podcast by MGR. Your host, David Gill here. I hope everybody's having a fantastic week because I certainly am, as always. Today's episode, uh, we actually got uh, quite a few things to cover today, and uh, the two big ones are going to be, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, Netflix, Netflix's numbers that they reported, uh, that they make up 10% of all TV viewership, their price increases, and just want to talk a little bit about that for a minute, and then uh, the other major topic was about the Gillette ad, but I wanted to talk about it from a marketer's angle rather than a, uh, you know, outraged person's angle that you've probably heard. And I wanted to discuss more in general, do controversial ads work overall? But we got a few other things to get into before that. So let's get started. Oh, by the way, uh, just so everybody knows, if you want to skip to any certain topic, I always put the timestamps in the podcast description for you. So you can Go down, scroll down, and see, oh, I don't care about this, but I care about that. Let me listen there. So, uh, yeah, just uh, check that out if you don't care about certain topics. I do it for everybody's convenience. And uh, by the way, I've noticed I've been looking at our podcast stats, and our retention is really, really good. We get like 90 to 95% retention for the podcast, meaning that uh, almost everybody who listens listens to uh, almost the entire thing, which is pretty cool. I'm glad you guys are enjoying the show. Speaking of the show, let's get into it. You ain't got no money, I ain't got no time. All these faces looking funny when I'm driving by. All right, let's start off by talking about Netflix for a minute here. So they came out and announced that they are about 10% of all TV viewership in the United States. Uh, which sounds like a lot, but at the same time, I mean, I guess it means that there's room for growth. I mean, it's it's an impressive number, certainly, but I think that that number could definitely be higher. Uh, but one thing I wanted to talk about, and obviously they raised their prices by $2, which shows the pricing power they have because they were confident that they weren't going to lose a lot of subscribers with a $2 uh, price increase, $2 a month. And uh, I certainly believe it because if someone's paying 12 bucks a month right now for Netflix, if it's now 14 are they going to say, nope, it's not worth it anymore, I'm just going to cancel? I very much doubt it. I don't see very many people saying, hmm, you know, $14 a month is just an unreasonable price and I refuse to pay it. No, that's not a reality, especially considering a lot of people share accounts. So a lot of people kind of split the pay. So it really could mean, you know, if you're splitting it with like three, four, whatever people, it's not going to be that much of an increase. Maybe you pay an extra 50, 75 cents a month, depending if you're sharing it or not. So I don't think that it's going to make a major effect on the consumer side, but I think it will make a major effect on Netflix's bottom line, obviously. So that's kind of the pricing power they have. But I wanted to respond to a common uh, criticism, I guess you could say, or kind of a common warning that people give, which is that Netflix's spending is unsustainable because 
they just can't afford to keep spending you know tens of billions of dollars on content like they are but i think the misconception is that you know they spend on evergreen content and they're building their catalog the reason they've been spending so much over the past few years is because they were starting from zero you know netflix a few years ago didn't have any netflix originals and now they're gonna have this massive library they already do have a pretty large library of original content and another two or three years of big spending like they continue to do their library their catalog is going to be so massive that they will be able to slow down their content spending this content spending spending i think they spent uh more than 10 billion in 2018 they're gonna spend i i've i've seen some estimates as high as 18 billion i don't know if that's true or not but they're planning on spending huge amounts of money on content but like i said that's temporary they're not going to do that forever because they don't have to but they're going from zero to building up this big catalog in contrast say disney who's going to come out with their streaming service they don't have to spend a ton on content like netflix does right now because they have a hundred years of content they have tons of ip they have a huge back catalog and obviously they're going to still spend and create new stuff but they don't have to to the level of netflix and so that is my point that netflix is not going to spend like this forever because again everything they make is evergreen that's why they've never gone after sports for example some pundits have said that why doesn't netflix go after sports like that's the one uh, main content type that they haven't touched at all really and the reason being that sports are great content and they bring in tons of viewers but it's content that expires and once the game is over and people know the result no one is going to go back and watch that content other than maybe a few fanatics but nobody goes back and watches sports events after they take place it's over so that's why netflix doesn't invest in sports content because it's really expensive and yes it brings viewers but once it's over it's over and it doesn't add to their back catalog it's not ever green but movies and tv shows can be seen 10 years after they release 20 years after they release for the first time and it doesn't make a difference hell i watched citizen kane when I was like 15 or 16, and that was like, what, 80 years after it initially came out, and I still love the movie. So movies and TV don't expire like sports do, so that's what they haven't invested in. And that's my further point, that, that Netflix is investing in their catalog so that they won't have to in the future. But when you're going from zero to building this huge library you have to do a lot of spending very quickly to justify getting people on your platform but clearly it's working like i said especially with their ability to raise their price by two dollars and be completely confident that they're not gonna lose very many if any subscribers all right let's get into some marketing news before we finish off with the gillette ad so first off amazon this week added customer acquisition metrics new customer acquisition metrics for their display ads video ads and their sponsored brand campaigns we've been discussing a lot on this podcast and articles mgredge.com if you are not already aware uh, but we've been discussing a lot over the last six months how amazon is making a major push in the ad tech world and they're trying to be the third horseman 
so call it, next to Facebook and Google in the digital marketing world. And by improving the depth of their analytics and tracking like they have been, they're going to keep drawing in more marketers and advertisers. So what this update does is it allows Amazon sellers to differentiate uh, between what they what Amazon calls new to brand customers and repeat customers. So obviously, a lot of times it's really hard to tell which sales are coming from where because you just see a revenue number. But now they're going to show how many sales came from new customers versus how many sales came from repeat customers, which is obviously incredibly valuable. One, it lets you know how your campaigns are doing at bringing in new customers. But on top of that, it lets you know if your sales from repeat customers are going up or if they're going down. If they're going down, is there something you can do on the product side to amend that? You know, this is especially useful for those who sell consumable goods and obviously have lots of repeat customers. But overall, these types of analytic improvements are really going to make the Amazon platform even more powerful because the more tracking and uh, in-depth reporting the marketers and advertisers can get their hands on, the better they can make their campaigns. And that's Amazon's goal, obviously, because they want to attract ad dollars. And uh, yeah, I think that they just continue to be one of the major marketing opportunities of 2019, like I discussed in an episode a few weeks back. Another company that is trying to increase their digital marketing uh, prowess, I guess you could say, is LinkedIn. This week, or actually I believe it's next week, they are adding interest targeting to their ad platform. Uh, you know, before the main way you targeted people on LinkedIn was by their job title, industry, and, you know, other work-related uh, metrics or descriptors, whatever you want to call it. But those are all very useful, uh, but in combination with interest-based advertising, LinkedIn ads have become much more powerful or will become much more powerful. So, for example, if you sell an AI-based accounting software that automates and improves whatever, whatever, I'm just kind of making an example up, but it's an AI-based accounting software. You can target CFOs and accountants who have shown interest in AI technology. And examples like that times a million, I'm just, I kind of made that up off the top of my head, but you can do things like that. So you can take whatever your product is and whatever specific niche it's going after and whatever people are going to be likely to buy it based on their job title, description, whatever. And you're going to be able to target them based on interest and job title, not just job title. So you don't waste money on targeting CFOs or accountants who have been using the same system for 20 years and are set in their ways and have no interest in upgrading, for example. And it really allows you to just custom cater your content to a very specific audience of people who are very likely to interact with that content so you can literally make content that says hey cfos interested in how ai can make your life easier or whatever right and you can advertise your two cfos who are interested in ai that's kind of the example i'm going for like i said that times a million times whatever your b2b business is but this really adds another massive layer to linkedin that I think I'm definitely going to be trying it out. Definitely going to be uh, messing with it, looking into it. But I think this could make LinkedIn a much more powerful ad platform than it already is.
Okay, one final thing before we get into the Gillette ad that I just kind of thought was a little funny was there was a new study done on when people are most likely to interact with ads. And so there were two findings. Number one, that while millennials are watching TV and a commercial is on, they are 7% more likely to click on an ad on their phone. So if they basically if they're watching TV and then commercial break goes on and then everybody goes to their phone, then when they're scrolling on their phone during the commercial break, they are more likely to click on an ad on their phone. I just thought that was ironic because the big uh you know, dig at TV commercials is that a lot of people don't really watch them. I know I personally mute them whenever they come on and go on my phone as well. And I know a lot of other people do that too. And that was kind of interesting that people, there's 7% more likely to click on an ad on their phone while a TV commercial is on. I thought that was funny. Anyways, the other one that is a little more useful uh, is that people under 35 were 12 to 22% more likely to click on an ad that they saw on their phone right before they went to bed. So when they're kind of scrolling uh, in bed at night, kind of when they probably should be sleeping, but they're just late up on their phone, uh, that they are 12 to 22% more likely to click on an ad, maybe because they're tired or whatever, I don't know. But maybe this could be put into practice. So you could probably take this uh, data if your age demographic is under 35 then maybe try to do a little test campaign where you only activate your ads between like 9 p.m and midnight and see if the click-through rate improves as much as the study says it will because i think that's kind of interesting that when people are a little more tired that they're more likely to click on ads than normal anyways let's move on to the main topic which is the gillette ad and whether or not controversial ad campaigns are worth it for companies. So I wanted to take a, like I said, a marketing person's perspective on this to discuss whether or not more companies should consider doing things like this. If you missed the Gillette ad somehow, uh, I'll give you a quick two-second recap. Basically, Gillette made an ad that played on their classic slogan, the best a man can get. And change it to the best a man can be. And that new version was displayed on an ad that showed men doing kind of bad things. And the message was that you know men should be better, I guess, was kind of the message. So obviously the controversy comes from, and I agree in a lot of cases, that they were conflating kind of asshole men with all men. You know, that they should be, you know, like a lot of uh, examples in the thing were like people calling a kid a loser and bullying and catcalling women on the street, etc. Things like that. And a lot of men took offense saying that, you know, that's not all men. To which, I mean, hey, I, I agree. I mean, I'm a man. I've never catcalled a woman. I don't call people loser. I know very few people who have ever done that, you know, that's kind of mean, I don't bully people, so anyways, that was the position that a lot of people took, that hey, you're kind of confusing some assholes with all men, and that's not right, uh, but anyways, I wanted to, I'm not gonna, you know, take sides on this, I just wanted to discuss it from a marketing person's uh, view, was this a good or a bad idea on Gillette's behalf, 
And obviously, Gillette is not the first company to do this. You know, I think Nike is probably the most famous for making controversial ads. They've been doing it for over 20 years. You know, they did it last year with Colin Kaepernick. They did it all the way back in the early 90s with Charles Barkley, his famous I am not a role model ad. And it seems to have worked for them over the years. But obviously, you know, Nike is one of the great marketing companies of all time. They're very good at what they do. They know what they're doing. So in this case, I wanted to just kind of look at the numbers for Gillette for a minute, just the raw numbers of how much, how widespread this ad got. So on YouTube, at the time I'm recording this, the video has over 25 million views. Uh, it's also gotten tens of millions of views on Facebook, and they were the number one trending topic on Twitter for about 24 hours uh, when the ad first came out. Which means that hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people, were talking about them. And the truth is that more people probably talked about Gillette in a two-day span than have in the last two years. So from that view, this was very much a success. You know, obviously, when they created this and put it out, they knew the ad would be controversial. And they knew it would spark lots of debate. That's why they made an ad like this. The question is, is the overall exposure that they got worth all of the negativity that came with it? Well, let's look at some of the negative numbers now that we looked at the overall exposure numbers. So the YouTube video has more than 1.2 million dislikes, which is a staggering amount. I mean, videos do not get that many dislikes. It's very rare. Uh, if you look at the comments section of the YouTube video, I went through just to see, like, okay, I figured there would be some people pro the ad, some people against it. I looked at the top 30 most liked comments on the video, the t you know, the top 30, just to see kind of out of the top 30 how many were pro and how many were against. All 30 were against the ad. In fact, I scrolled through probably about 100 of the top comments and didn't find a single positive one so that's not very good uh and then facebook you know very much similar to youtube just almost all negative and on twitter there were hundreds of thousands of tweets from like you know men saying that they were customers but now they'll never be buying razors again from uh gillette and that they'll be buying from another company from now on you know that's obviously a little more anecdotal we don't know how many of them were just saying that for effect and how many actually were gillette customers but anyways, the point is they got a lot, a lot, a lot of negativity and people saying this is dumb. And especially, I think another major point is that, you know, a lot of people take a very cynical view. They say this is just and they see it for what it is. They say this is just a company trying to get attention and spark controversy to sell more razors, to make more money. They don't actually care about this topic which in a way is probably true, let's be honest. I don't know how, I mean, I'm sure people at Gillette care, but the goal of this is to sell razors. That's why they spend money promoting this ad, creating this ad, all of that. To answer if it worked isn't really, I can't answer at least for another few months. I mean, we'll have to see. Gillette is part of P&G. I'm not sure if P&G, when they uh, report their numbers, if they report specific numbers for the Gillette division. But I think if, you know, Gillette does see a sales increase for this quarter and coming quarters, that 
PNG will make it known and that they will make it known that this ad was successful. Um, I think that Gillette felt they had to do something because they've been losing market share to Dollar Shave Club and Harry's and other modern brands and these other monthly subscription companies uh, that have just offered a better, cheaper product than what Gillette had to offer. Gillette made their own subscription service in response, but I'm not sure how well that's done. Uh, and I'm sure they're going to lose a lot of customers from this, but it did work, like I said, to make themselves the talk of the town, the talk of the media for a day or two. And I guess the real test, like I said, is just going to be do their sales numbers go up or down because of this? That's really the only thing that matters at the end of the day. And, you know, for example, in the past, Nike's sales have actually gone up when they've embraced controversy. So maybe Gillette's will too. Um, I don't know. I think a lot of people, you know, there's the classic adage that all press is good press. There's no such thing as bad PR, right? That's a famous uh, saying that a lot of people have. Maybe people, maybe it's true. Maybe people will forget about this and move on, but still remember the Gillette name. And obviously people already know the Gillette name, but now it's a little more prominent in their heads. But I'm not sure all, you know, there's, all press is good press and there's no such thing as bad PR is actually true. I mean, just look at, in extreme examples, the Me Too movement against, uh, you know, Harvey Weinstein and Bill Cosby. Obviously, what they did was horrible, and I'm not sure what their uh, legal penalties are going to be as far. They'll probably end up in jail, I assume. I'm not exactly sure. I don't know. I haven't been following that. But uh, needless to say, they got a lot of bad press, a lot of bad PR, deservedly so. And whether or not they go to jail they're never coming back. Their careers are over. So I don't think the bad PR thing is necessarily true that there's no such thing. I think another example of a company would be like Johnson & Johnson that uh, recently had their issue with the baby powder causing cancer and that they knew about it and didn't do anything because I guess they saved money on the formula. I'm not sure exactly. But a lot of people, especially mothers who bought baby powder for their children and other Johnson & Johnson products said, I'm not going to buy Johnson & Johnson products anymore because I don't trust this company to give their products to my children if they knew that their baby powder caused cancer and did nothing about it. So... Yes, bad press can be bad, and I think that this idea that there's no such thing as bad press is kind of false. I agree in a sense that a lot of times people do forget and move on, but then your the overall exposure was worth it. But like I said, I guess the ultimate test will be, does Gillette sales go up over the next few months? I'm going to be honest. I don't think so. I think that they kind of missed it with this ad. I think that they will lose customers, especially because, I mean, Gillette has some women customers, but, you know, Gillette's slogan is the best a man can get. Their majority customer base is selling men's razors. And I think a lot of men will choose to buy another razor company. And I think that Gillette did kind of alienate their base a little bit. And I think that, you know, Nike, for example, they'll do controversial things, but they know that they're also going to get a lot of support for it. And they know that even if, you know, the Colin Kaepernick thing was controversial, that they're going to get a lot of people who were pro-Colin Kaepernick and the kneeling and all of that in favor of them. And that there's a lot of people who are like that and who are going to become super fans of Nike because they come out in support of him. 
I think in this case that there's not going to be nearly as many people who are going to be, you know, die hard trying to defend Gillette. But I think that there's going to be a lot of people who choose not to buy Gillette anymore. For one, because like I said, their competition has just been going up anyways. They've been going down for a while, irregardless of this ad. But I think this ad could alienate a lot of their customer base, and I think it could lead to a dip in sales. But we'll see. Like I said, all I know for sure, though, is that if it does work and sales do go up, that you will see a lot more companies and a lot more ad agencies pushing uh, these types of ads in the future, and that we will be filled with a world of companies trying to take a moral stand on things to increase sales. Anyways, guys, thank you so much for listening. If you made it this far, that means you probably enjoyed the episode. I hope so. I mean, I don't know why you would listen this far if you didn't, but if you did, please leave a rating and a review on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you listen to your to your podcasts. We really, really appreciate it. It really does help us out. So if you could, just take two seconds. It means a lot. Anyways, guys, thank you so much for listening. I will see you again next week.